Stories with unexpected twists and turns seem to be all the rage these days. But what about a story where even the writers don't know what's coming? Welcome to The Story Symphony, the collaborative fiction podcast where each chapter of the story is written by an entirely different person. You, the listener, won't have any idea what to expect next. And neither will we, the writers. So strap in and let's see where The Story Symphony will take us today. You're listening to Chapter 7, The Dream Team, by Abby Hayes. And here we go. There's someone who wants to speak to you, Paul. Oh, and who's that? Laura. It sounds like we don't have time to waste. Laura? How long have you been here? so good to be heard. Paul, I saw you sneaking around outside a week ago, and I followed you back here and I've been dropping by every day since. I guess it's been equal parts worrying about you and worrying that you might hurt more people. Paul looked ashamed. He was shifting his gaze around the warehouse trying to figure out where Laura was standing in a fruitless attempt to make eye contact. I was the only person who could see her. She was directly beside him now watching him swivel with an almost pitying look on her face. I glanced at Vanessa. She was staring at the walkie-talkie clutched tightly in her hands. Her eyes welled up with tears. It's... it's nice to hear your voice, Laura. We've been searching for you for weeks and I just thought you were gone forever. And then Kyle said he saw you and I just... I never meant for any of this to happen. I know you have. I've been checking in on you too. Don't worry. I know it's not your fault. I'm sorry, Laura. Truly, I am. Not right now. We need to work out how we're going to get into the firefighters' headquarters without all of you being burned alive and ending up like Kyle and I. I think I have an idea. I'll explain once I've had a minute to flesh it out. We just need to get back to the food lab and work it out from there. I'll call the others now and fill them in on what's going on. I think Apollo has some of the things we need at her workshop. Vanessa pulled out her phone and walked away. Her brow was furrowed. I could tell she was furiously pulling plans together in her brilliant mind. When I turned back to Paul and Laura, I could feel the awkward, terrible history between them. I broke the silence. We can't all travel together. Laura, you need Apollo's magic brick thing before you can get in a car. You mean I don't need to walk everywhere? You've missed a lot of developments. Don't worry, you'll be semi-tangible again soon. Thank God. Looks like I'll still have to stick to walking, though. I think Paul and I have a few things we need to discuss. We shouldn't have an issue walking together if he keeps his hood up, and if he doesn't bring attention to himself. I'll need to take that weird radio ghost thing you have, though. Uh, okay, I I guess that's fine. We'll get an Uber and meet you there. Alright, sorted. Laura, did I hear you say you're walking? Take the back streets, try not to get held up, and don't talk to anyone along the way. Kyle, I guess we won't be able to communicate, so I'll need to trust that you're with me. As we travelled back to the food lab in the Uber, a rush of sadness and defeat came over me. I desperately wanted to be able to talk to Vanessa. I wanted to touch her. The gravity of the situation sunk in and... I wondered if I'd ever live a normal life again. 
I craved eye contact and hand-holding and all the things that we used to think were kind of lame. I reached my hand from the back seat to touch Vanessa's shoulder, and as I got closer, I saw the tiny hairs on her arm stand at attention. I was a confusing ball of static electricity, and when I touched her, she turned her head slightly to acknowledge the strange feeling. I know you can't respond to me right now, but I want you to know that I'm going to find a way to bring you back. You and Laura and every other archived person. I'll spend the rest of my life trying if I have to. I tried to reach out and touch her again, but she gathered her coat around her shivering body, turned away and walked inside. I followed a few steps behind her, thinking about how strange it was not to be able to feel cold. We found Alan Norton where we left them, hunched over a humming computer on a small grey machine. Ah, Vanessa! Excellent timing. We've just made a major breakthrough by tweaking one of our 3D fruit printers to make non-perishable objects. Now we believe that it'll be able to build items that can be held and used by archived people. Apollo's just gone back to her workshop to grab the rest of her equipment like you asked, but she'll be back shortly. Where's Kyle? Kyle? He's here. We gave our walkie-talkie to Laura and Paul so you can't hear him. Vanessa, Alan, Norton talked for a while, discussing the new information Paul had given us. They deliberated over the firefighter's next plan of attack while I stood there feeling even more useless than usual. When they were done, we gathered around the 3D printer. They showed us how it worked and demonstrated by making a simple ballpoint pen. The machine made all the same noises as a typical printer, but the speed and precision that it used to create this small object was astounding. I felt like a little kid watching it complete the finishing touches. Much to Al's delight, I picked up the pen. Oh, it's like that ghost film I saw when I was a kid. What was it called? Uh, oh, no, it was Poltergeist. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, oh, the pen's possessed by a demon. <laughs> if I could have spoken, I would have asked them politely to shut up. Luckily, Apollo came bursting through the door at that exact moment, struggling to carry an overflowing box of machinery under one arm, a scratched-up metal toolkit in her hand, and several sheets of scribbled-on butcher's paper under the other arm. Oh, good. Vanessa's here. I got everything. I must have looked like a nutter clearing benches in the workshop like that. I've got all my old walkie-talkie prototypes and the ghost-filled detection tech and all of your old plans and... Is that a floating pen? That's Kyle. Switch one of the old prototypes on so he can speak. Thank you. Oh, it's bad enough being invisible, but not being able to talk was torture. Oh man, now it sounds like I'm underwater. Alright everyone, here's my idea. We need to get into the headquarters and we're going to need some backup. We need to use that 3D printer to develop as many of my original fire vacuums as we possibly can in the next two hours. Sounds like a plan. Excellent. Apollo can help you. Al and Kyle, I need you to help with something else. Vanessa took the old walkie-talkie in her hand and led us outside. Before we'd even left the room, Apollo began separating the sheets of paper into piles, while Norton frantically typed instructions into the computer attached to the 3D printer. Vanessa, Al and I walked into the hallway. We need to work out a way to bring everyone back, Al. Yeah, I've been worried about that. I, look, I'm, I'm starting to think that it, it might not be possible. It has to be possible. We just need to brainstorm and a solution will appear. It always does. Tell me... 
everything you know about the archive machine and what Kyle and Laura are at the moment. This was the Vanessa I had heard so much about in the past two days. The driven inventor with the secret life that had nothing to do with me. I felt isolated and betrayed again, but snapped out of it by reminding myself that she was trying to bring me back. She cared about bringing me back. Hmm, this is difficult to explain. I haven't fully worked it out for myself. It's technically a carbon copy of our world, a a computerised clone, you could say. It's a dimensional layer that sits directly on top of the real world, updating in real time as inanimate objects and settings code themselves into position. When we touch something, it updates and moves into the carbon copy reality. Some things are coded permanently, such as the floor we're standing on, uh, but most are transient. It's, it's not easy for archived people to manipulate objects as it is for, say, people in the real world. That's why Kyle can sometimes move things when, when they aren't in use by humans. I mean, uh, sorry, you are a human, Kyle. You just, uh, uh, are you guys following what I'm saying? Yep, yes, yes, totally. I wasn't following in the slightest, but I was getting sick of being the least intelligent person in the room. Now, there's a slight delay between the two worlds because of the constant updating and communicating going on between them. Apollo's ghost detection tech works by picking up on the subtle frequencies created by the updates. I've been racking my brain for ages, but I I just can't seem to find any permanent link between the two worlds or, or how we can permanently cross them back over. It would take a bridge of some form. Apollo. Apollo. What about her metal brick thing? She saw me for a second when I touched it. It made me go from complete ghost to only semi-ghost. What if that's the key to bringing us back? You know, that could be an idea. I was happy to be invisible for a moment as I threw my second fist pump today. It felt like I belonged in this motley team of hero geniuses. If we all got out of this alive, I envisioned myself pursuing a new career in science. Robots hadn't quite taken over every position in that field yet. Might take years to develop, though. Uh, the amount of trial and error that goes into stuff like this, I, I just don't know what the end result would be. I know for sure that Kai will never be able to re-inhabit his old body. <laughs> Sorry. Look, to be honest, the longer it's in that morgue, the less you want to go down that Frankenstein path. Trust me. My excitement bubble burst at the thought of my body lying sprawled out in a morgue. Even if they managed to miraculously cross me over into their world, what kind of life would I have? If I wasn't actually alive, would I ever die? Would I watch everyone I know age while I was frozen in time like a hologram? I couldn't control my thoughts and I was starting to panic. Vanessa must have sensed my terror. I don't know what the outcome will be, but it's bound to be an improvement, Kyle. You may not be the same, but there may be a way you could return to a normal-ish life if we create a bridge between the two worlds. We have to give this a go, Al. We can only try, but look, let's deal with the task at hand first. We have firefighters to extinguish. Back in the research and development room, the team got to work. Apollo focused on reversing the walkie-talkies to be able to transmit a clear and repetitive message. Vanessa made modifications to her plans so that the 3D printed vacuums would be half the size and twice as powerful. Alan Norton, who seemed to have become best friends in less than an hour, were using Al's wristwatch to map out potential locations for the next terrorist attack. It was like watching a heist movie where everyone had been chosen for their specific skill set. Everyone, except me, of course. I was just a member of the audience. I decided to go for a walk and clean my head. 
the air outside felt like a hairdryer. It was typical of Melbourne weather to change dramatically over the course of a day, but this is ridiculous. I walked through the Richmond streets, watching people walk home from work. The heat was intense and it made me feel nauseous. So I gave up on my calming walk and decided to turn back to the food lab. Kyle! Is that you? Kyle! Help! Kyle! Laura? What are you doing? Where's Paul? We were ambushed by the firefighters and I couldn't save him. I, I couldn't do anything, Kyle. They didn't even know I was there. They took the walkie-talkies, but he wouldn't tell them what it was, and so they smashed it to pieces. I didn't see very much, and there were so many of them. I think he was injured when they dragged him to the car and took him away. We have to help him. We will help him. Let's go back to the others, quickly. They'll know what to do. My mind was racing, and I knew we needed Vanessa and the others to come up with a plan. I cursed myself for my inability to think on my feet. As we ran back to the food lab, the warmth of the air engulfed me and it felt like I was swimming through thick clouds. I slowed to a walk and so did Laura. She looked as sick as I felt. My mind flashed back to a few hours ago when Vanessa and I got out of the Uber. She had been freezing cold and I barely even felt the wind. This wasn't a normal heat wave if Laura and I were being so badly affected by it. There was something wrong. Ahead of me, Laura collapsed to the ground. I pulled myself together and ran over to pick her up. As I half dragged, half carried her body into the building, I looked behind us. Once again, the sky had opened up and Melbourne was being drenched in torrential rain. Today's chapter was written by Abby Hayes, a freelance writer and editor who moves back and forth between Queensland and Victoria, depending on which kind of weather she's feeling that month. She's most passionate about writing poetry, but her favourite reading material is literary fiction. Abby wanted to be a part of the Story Symphony because she's a big fan of biting off more than she can chew. <laughs> Those are her words, not mine. To Abby, saying yes to collaboration always seems worth it in the end. So who knows what's going to happen next? Well, we certainly don't, but I'm just as excited as you are to see where the next writer will take us. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Story Symphony to stay up to date with all the latest news and goss, and to let us know what you think about the story so far. Kyle was voiced by actor and comedian Angus Brown, who you can find on Twitter and Instagram at GusGusBrown or on Facebook at Angus Brown Comedy. Vanessa was voiced by actor Maddie Tyres, who you can find on Instagram and Twitter at Maddie Tyres. Al was voiced by actor Jimmy James Eaton, who you can find on Instagram and Twitter at Jimmy James Eaton. Laura and Apollo were voiced by actor Tess McCaig, who you can find on Instagram at Tess McCaig. Paul was voiced by filmmaker and producer Sam Peterson, who has a hilarious podcast of his own called Confessions of the Idiots, which I cannot recommend highly enough. I voiced Norton, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at TheAdrianYoung. And thanks as always to our creative lead, Leanne Miyako, who you can find on Instagram at LeanneBakesThings. Until next time.